and welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, November 13th. We are here live. It's time for a free-for-all for the first 30 minutes. After that, we'll be joined by David Owen, the uh, co-founder and president of Nastic. And uh, we'll spend another half hour. David and I will talk some. We'll open it up for questions. If you have any questions about what Nastic is, what it's all about, the services it offers, uh, we can certainly answer those. I don't have a lot other than that. I see calls are coming in already. That's a good thing. Um, I, I feel like I have run the gauntlet since I left the house. I really just have not had any time to catch up, and uh, it's starting to catch up with me. I've been feeling the last couple of days like I'm fighting something, and my immune system was winning, and this morning I'm not sure. So I'm hoping my voice holds out. It would be better if you call 855-950-3835. It was worth it. I've had a a really interesting couple of weeks. I have met a lot of incredible people, spent a lot of time talking about trucking, sharing ideas. Uh, Very worthwhile, but... uh, I think this week I'm going to really have to take it easy. So I will be doing the show all week. I will be doing the coaching class this week, and I will attempt to keep up with all the questions on the tribe site as well. Other than all that, I'm going to try not to do much of anything except maybe just relax and hopefully recover before this gets worse. I've uh, I've tanked my body battery. My sleep is in the toilet. My stress levels have been high. Um, just pushing a little too hard, but we'll uh, we'll try to recover this week and see what happens. Pick up the phone and join me. We've got a half hour of free-for-all after that. We'll have 30 minutes of Q&A with David Owen, 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. You know, I, I uh, was posting some some more financial news There is a lot of mixed information right now about where we are going. And part of the problem is just in our, sometimes our wording, our outlook. Um, I watched Donald Broughton um, last week in Chattanooga. He had a very positive message. I'm sorry, in in Nashville the week before. I'm getting my conferences mixed up. Um, He had a very positive message. After going back and, and watching it and really kind of listening a little deeper. I think he might be talking more long-term, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, We are definitely in a freight recession right now. Now, Donald does not believe we are going to see a deep recession in the overall economy. He had some numbers that have recently changed that, that might indicate he's on the right track. Um, I hope he's right. I really do. But there are still a lot of numbers that really make it look like we could be in for a deeper recession. So very confusing. We will uh, continue to keep an eye on it and I'll continue to post and I'll continue to uh, bring people in and try to help us interpret those numbers. Right now, I'm going to get to the calls, pick up the phone and join us. We're going to go to California. Aaron, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, remember I called three weeks ago with this amazing opportunity where I could uh, 
buy a truck and six trailers and three converter dollies. I do. Okay. Well, I did it. So congratulations. I'm currently on the road on my own. Oh boy. My own truck, pulling the trailers I bought from the customers I thought I would have. Okay. And, uh, I'm just all in. I've been going nonstop seven days a week, morning, noon, and night to make this happen this quick. Excellent. Uh, so far, things are going pretty good. I don't have a lot of questions today. I was going to ask you when you're going to do your first um, coaching session for the business side uh, of things. You know, I have, I, I kind of feel like you. I've been so busy, I have not really communicated. Um, much with my team. I'm actually going to ask them right now. I mean, that's how I'll just send them a text um, uh, and see. I thought I, I guess I assumed I was doing one this week. Maybe I'm not oh, this week. I'll find out here in a second. Um, that's just how busy we've been here. The team is busy working on our new subscriptions, the new coaching programs. I've been on the road with there's just been very little communication. So we will uh, we should see here in just a minute or two. Okay. Yeah, I can relate to being busy. I cannot believe how many things there are to do. Yeah. Um, I'm just putting them in the, the order of most importance. What, what's the most pressing thing to tackle right now? And I've been making lots of progress. And, um, uh, yeah, I have a hard time catching the show. I've been catching replays because I'm on the phone during the show. Um, yeah, so I got a response. It looks like our first coaching call is November 30th. November 30th. All right. I'm sure I'll be all signed up and have a whole list of questions for you by then. That That's a that's a really good way to approach it, too. Have all your questions right out. And here's the thing. I, I, I believe both of these coaching calls are going to get off the ground kind of slowly. We had a lot of attendees. Uh, in the health coaching, but not a lot of people really ready to engage. And, and I just want to keep reminding people that this is not the same as this radio show. It's not a call where, I mean, you can get on and ask anything you want, but it's really designed to go much deeper and work directly with somebody in depth, troubleshooting, solving problems, accomplishing things. So in order to do that, I almost always for every call will need more information, you know, on business and finance, we're going to have to see, um, you know, numbers. And if you don't have them, part of the program will be helping you get them uh, on the personal side. Before I could really start to work with somebody, I need to see, you know, annual budgets and um, net worth and we'll help you get those things. That's part of the program. But that's the upfront work we have to do before we move on to the to the real coaching of solving problems on the health side. It's a, you know, it's a NutriQ and, and um, some food mood journals. So this whole program is about getting much, much deeper into these things. So if you show up ready on the, the first day of the business coaching, you will probably be the first um, that we start working on. Awesome. I'd love that. Uh, I also have a tax uh, question um, specific to this job that I'm doing now. I I uh, get rifles for free from my customer, and then I deliver those to uh, horse ranches. And apparently the company that I left, they were charging uh, sales tax on the rifles that they weren't purchasing. 
and they'd pay they'd make the customer pay sales tax on the whole the whole thing so uh, freight freight and everything I'm thinking I'm not selling rice holes. I'm only providing service. I'm just delivering rice holes. So I wasn't going to charge sales tax or collect local sales tax. Um, does that sound I gotta, like I'm going to stay out of trouble? I got to think through this. So how do you acquire these rifles? They give them to me. And they're like, please get these off our property. And I want to be clear. These are weapons, firearms. No, rice, right. rice holes. Uh, it's a rice byproduct. It's a, oh, my God. No wonder why I was so Yeah, cool. rice holes. I thought you were saying Yeah, I don't know. Like, wait, rifles. Like, no, not rifles. Like, <laughs> like, wait a minute. Sales tax is not the big issue here. We have to be careful if we're trading guns. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, okay, so they give you the rice hulls. You deliver them to the customer, and you are just just charging the customer for the delivery, not for the rice hulls themselves. That's how I'm putting it down, yeah. Perfect. That's exactly the way I would do it, and then, no, you don't have any sales tax to worry about. Now, wait a minute. Let me clarify one thing. I, I need you to look up one thing, just in case, because we always have goofy state or sometimes even local. I don't know if I'd get too worried about local here. I would double check your state to see if they do tax services. I don't, I, you know what? I don't think you'd have to worry about that. I would just do what you're doing. I think okay. you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Perfect. The customers would like that too. Cause they're paying hundreds of dollars of tax on this stuff that I don't think they needed to. Yeah, that's um, again. This this is the proper way. You did not buy this, so you're not a reseller of the product. You are just providing a service to get it from one place to another. Perfect. All right. Well, that's, that's all I really have today. Um, I'm I'm sure I'll be calling back a lot. Yeah, no problem. That'll uh, that'll give us a good run up to the coaching call, so we can dive deep into uh, creating some plans for you. Phone lines are open eight five five nine five zero three eight three five. David Owen from Nastic will be joining me at the bottom of the hour. So if you have any questions at all for David about Nastic, they're their memberships, their services. Um, David and I are going to go through their list of services pretty quick because most people don't realize how much they offer to uh, owner-operators and small carriers. Let's go to Illinois. John, welcome. Hi. I heard it the same way. Rifles got a race hall. Boy, as soon as I heard rifles, my brain was just starting to spin. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to worry about, you know, firearms regulations here. I don't think we could just start handing out rifles to people. So I'm glad we clarified that. Yeah. Uh, and do you have a clock on your dash with your radio and your coach? The problem is I have too many clocks in my vision while I'm driving and they're all getting time from different sources. So my I have uh, my phone playing through an Apple CarPlay, which I have a big display. So that will display whatever my phone happens to be saying. 
But when you're traveling a trip like I just did, the damn phone can switch back and forth sometimes two and three times from different time zones. And then my GPS, my Garmin GPS is set to whatever I set it to. And so it it can just get really cool. What I need, I mean, this is a simple problem to solve. I just need an analog device that only stays on Eastern time. And then I can always use that to figure out where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. But all all the the problem with all of today's devices is you never know exactly where they're getting their time from and when they're going to change and when they're not going to change. Yeah, I got the uh, radio in my truck and I set it to my home time. And then all the other... Right, but that that doesn't work for me because I only use the radio with my truck as my Apple CarPlay device. So it will grab the time from my phone. One one of the things that confused me this last week, just because I didn't realize it, is my Garmin watch always has the right time. I thought it did. But it, it doesn't change time till you sync. So if you don't sync and you cross a time zone, all of a sudden my phone's on one time zone, my watch is on the other. Right. All right. Um, I listened to who got my or who moved my cheese yesterday, and it was really a foreign uh, read. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. Really like that one. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it is. As it's short, and I was uh, really made me think. I gotta go back and uh, reread it a couple different times. So I clarify it. So that's, a, that's thank a, you very much for that recommendation. You're welcome. That's a really good book to go back over because it is such easy reading and it goes quick. It's worth doing that one a couple times. Yeah, I agree with that. You have a nice day. I'm looking forward to. Listen, David, I am working on signing up for NASDAQ, so. Excellent. So if you think of any, uh, normally we don't like to do callbacks in the same day, um, but when we have a guest like this, that could be an exception. If you think of a question for him, call back in and uh, we'll get it answered for you. Let's go to Virginia. Tim, welcome to the program. Um, yeah, Kevin. Hey, I got a gallbladder question. Um, this past Saturday, I had a, a, a gallbladder attack which I've never had before in my entire life. And I've kind of been on your, following your diet and stuff through the, for about the last three years. Okay. Probably more carnivore than anything. And they, when they, they went in and looked at the CT scan, they said, I actually have golf stones. Okay. Now is that, and he, what they told me is they said, the only thing you can do is take the gallbladder out. That's bullshit. That's absolutely not true. That's kind of what I thought. There, I there, thought are, you. there are protocols for improving this. And, and here's, here's the way I always approach this. It is possible that, that you could have a gallbladder that, that's in such bad shape it can start to threaten your life. So I always warn people, um, if you're in an emergency room and they want to schedule you for emergency surgery, you should just do it because it's too late to try to get some sort of a second opinion. If it's life-threatening, you got to get it out. We hope we reach people before it gets to that point. If they are saying the only thing we can do is take it out, but they didn't even schedule it, well, then it's not life-threatening and we have time to work on it. There's two approaches we have to take here. Yeah, we can work to start to dissolve those stones. It does take time but they will start to get better right away. And then we also have to work to make sure they don't form again. Now, one of the issues, 
is okay. that when you start eating carnivore, um, if you have very low oxalates in your diet now, which sounds like a good thing because it were it was oxalates in your diet over your lifetime that caused these to form. They got worse. Okay. This this is confusing. They can actually get worse when we stop all of the oxalates and go to a diet like carnivore. And it's because your your body over we've been eating too much oxalates our whole lifetime. Your body stores them all over your body. And when we then when we go very low oxalate, your body starts getting rid of them, but it also moves them around. So what we have found, and if you want to listen to more in-depth explanations of this, um, go back through the app. And we did a mini series with Sally K. Norton. She wrote the book on this. And we explain all of this and and talk about some foods. Here's what Sally has figured out, that going really strict carnivore can cause sometimes, not always, but sometimes can cause these oxalate issues. I tend to think it it happens to it was happening to me. The last couple of times I tried to get stricter and stricter carnivore, I was getting gout-like symptoms. And that's the same thing. That's those oxalate crystals settling in a joint. So what I did was I, I started okay. eating. The, the number Sally came up with is rather than go zero oxalate, try to eat about 250 milligrams of oxalate a day. And you can go look up how much oxalate. The, the food that I tend to eat when I need to eat some oxalates is dark chocolate because I love dark chocolate and I hated that I gave it up for the oxalate thing. So I will eat dark chocolate if um, almonds have a lot of oxalates. So, you know, we use a lot of almond products in our diet sometimes. Um, But if you can keep that oxalate level at about 250 a day, and I did that for about six months. And this time I, I, when I started on this trip, I said, I'm going to really try very strict carnivore. And I have been, I I would venture to say like 98% of the food I've eaten in the last month or however long it's been since I left the house uh, is carnivore. I've never been this strict. The the results are pretty incredible. I'm not sure that I would have survived the gauntlet the last couple of weeks if I wasn't doing it. And this time I'm not seeing any of those signs of oxalate dumping. So I'm, I'm thinking that maybe that six months of following Sally's advice of Sure, eat carnivore, but you got to get in about 250 milligrams of oxalates a day. And I think it kind of helps the body make that transition. Okay. I wondered if now, there was a way to get, to, to try to get rid of them, but I didn't, I didn't know. I got to go in for a sonogram to see how big they are and what they're made of. If they wanted to do that, at least I think that's fair. I, they're going to be oxalates. I can almost guarantee it. Um, but we'll, okay. we'll, yeah, let them, let them do that. You know, I don't mind using the, traditional medical community for a diagnosis like this. I just don't like their treatment options. Now, the the low oxalate thing will help so the problem doesn't get any worse. We need to do a very specific protocol to start to dissolve the stones that are there. We don't put those kind of protocols out to the public because they you can you can end up with some pretty uncomfortable situations if you do these wrong. They're not really dangerous, but you can create some 
some pretty severe discomfort with some of these protocols. So that is a protocol we only share in a one-on-one or now in the group coaching. Okay. Okay. So schedule a one-on-one then? Well, we don't do one-on-one anymore. We've replaced that with the group coaching. So a problem like this, you would... Oh, okay. And the way our group coaching works is you can join month to month. So on a problem like this, we should be able to solve this within 30 days. So you would join... um, We'd solve your problem or not. If we solve it, you can, you're can. you free to quit if you want at that point. If you want to stay in the program and work on other things, you can. And you can start and stop anytime you want. Okay. okay. Uh, just get a hold of the, of, uh, of you guys over there to get – I mean, I heard your, your last week, Monday, I heard your thing about your, you know, your expanding your, your uh, subscriptions and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that – just yeah. just go through the, the yeah. tribe then? The easiest way to get started is go to, uh, on the health coaching, is go to letstruck.com and click on work with us. Okay. And then you'll see your options there. Okay. 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 That gives me something to, 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 to go by. I, I just, yeah, I've never had anything like this before and it just caught me off guard and just really felt like crap all day Saturday and finally decided I better go in because I wasn't getting any better. Yeah. That's what they came up with. So yeah, and again, check it out. Once we see the results, but obviously this is not an emergency, or or they would have been scheduling things and and really pushing you. So um, you may experience some discomfort for a little bit till we start working on this, but uh, we can usually start to improve this pretty quick. Did I did I limit my like my meat intake? I mean, I I love meat. I mean, I'm a good steak. I'm not a I'm not a the goal, afraid to eat that at all, but the, the goal, I, I'm a little bit scared to eat anything right now. Yeah, and you might want to even do, you know, some some bone broth fasting if you, you know, if, if that feels okay. better. There, there's never a harm in fasting. You know, anytime we give our digestive system a rest, things will improve. So fasting is a great strategy oh. here. Um, you could eat meat. I would focus a little more on leaner meats right now and and not overload the fat for a while. The the gallbladder is there to digest fat. It has almost nothing to do with right, digesting right. protein. So if you were eating, you know, if I were in this situation, I would eat a New York strip instead of a ribeye. Okay. okay. I mean, that's about the only thing. I guess I had a chicken breast. Yeah, I had a, a chicken breast we made in the ovens because we knew that you know that's pretty low fat. But. Yeah, so and I, it, so, I, I mean that went and that went and that went really good. Yeah, and I want people to understand I am not recommending lower fat diets to anybody except you that I'm talking to right now because of this situation. I am a big believer in fatty Correct. meats, right? Not lean meats, fatty meats. Uh, work much better in both keto and carnivore. But in this case, we do want to give the body a break for a little while from trying to digest that fat, and you won't be in as much discomfort. So we're only going to go a little leaner for right now. Okay. I can do that. I appreciate it, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. Thank uh, you. uh, We are coming up on the bottom of the hour here. I don't have any calls right now. So um, we should be hearing from David Owen here any minute. He was going to call near the bottom of the hour. We got about four and a half minutes or so. <clears throat> Trying to th- oh, one of the other uh, one of the other highlights of the F three conference, the Freight Waves conference I was just at in Chattanooga, was 
Chris Voss, and I almost missed him. They had so many good speakers at F3 this year, uh, and I was trying to have a lot of meetings, so I didn't always have time. Um, but Chris Voss, as soon as I heard the name, why do I know that name? And it's the book that I've been recommending since it came out for negotiation. It's called Never Split the Difference. The really interesting thing about this book and also about listening to Chris speak is he does teach all kinds of negotiation, every kind of negotiation you can imagine, but he comes at it from the point of view of being a, um, I think it was FBI, a hostage negotiator for decades. He's got great stories. Uh, he's got a very, very direct, no-nonsense approach. Uh, it's a great way to learn some really kind of unknown and even almost unusual techniques. Here was one of the, and I, I have taken uh, negotiation courses before, long two-day negotiation courses. I've read several books about negotiation. Here was one of the biggest takeaways I got. He does not recommend like goal-oriented negotiations. And, and that seems so counterintuitive, but he explains it really well. So, so imagine that, um, well, I don't know, a good example. Um, you would think that in a hostage situation, he would, his goal would be to get the hostages freed. And he said, when you focus on that goal, you will lose track of what's possible and there could be a better outcome than just that. So by not necessarily focusing on some sort of goal of the negotiation, you leave things open. So what he teaches instead of goal setting are processes to get to a desired outcome in negotiation. It was uh, just great content. I I'm hoping to be able to get Chris Voss on our show. Oh, excuse me. All right, let's, um, boy, I hope my voice makes it through this hour. Let's go to Tennessee. Ilya, welcome. Morning, Kevin. How's it going? I've had better days, but I think I'll get through it. <laughs> you uh, you missing our great state of Tennessee yet? Um, you know what? I love Tennessee. I really do. I love it for a lot of things. It's a beautiful state. I, their politics are far better than most, so... Um, I do kind of miss it, and I'm going to be heading back that way soon. Yeah, that's, that's what I learned here, too. Uh, since I moved here, like, I wasn't really aware of their politics, but I moved here right before all the COVID stuff. And then so watching the rest of the country unfold, I was like, man, I picked a good state to go to with all that. Yes, you did. Um, we we actually also have a uh, homestead festival here. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I think it's in, like, July usually every year. And uh, it's like a seminar and uh, conference type of setup for a weekend. And uh, I think Joel Salatin is one of the like hosts and features and everything. Yeah, I am aware of it. You know, part of the problem on a lot of these conferences is um, I do not like to leave the Pacific Northwest in the summertime at all. The it, it is the most incredible summertime weather I've ever experienced. Uh, we've got so much going on out there between. You know, now the homestead, which um, I know that's what this is about, but, um, you know, the water sports and the wing foiling and the hiking. And it, it, I just really do not want to leave the Pacific Northwest during the summertime. Yeah, yeah, definitely a good reason. And here it's probably as hot as it gets that time of year. 
Yeah, it's hot. You know, um, the one thing, I'm actually in Florida now, and it's not hot. Um, it's actually kind of cool for Florida right now. But the one thing, I, it, it's a very big change for me, is even in, but there is a tide lived in Florida for 14 years. So I do know there will come a day, and I used to look forward to it, where you would wake up, go outside, and go, oh, my God, the humidity finally broke. And you'd have that clearer winter yep. winter kind of weather. That has not happened yet. So if it's warm, it's humid. And if it's cold, it's humid. And it's just, it's a very different yep. feeling from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, as far as my process of, uh, I'm trying to go out of my own um so I have, I picked, I found four trucks that fit basically what I was looking for. I'm waiting to get the oil samples back for them. And I'm starting uh, on the rest of the process as well. Like all the, like I did my research on the carriers and everything, but so my plan was originally to lease the Landstar without a trailer, then add the trailer, then get my own authority and work on that, like to do it all in steps. Um, but lately, I've been thinking about maybe just going straight for the authority thing. Um, so I wanted to see, like, is are the main risk compared to leasing for and uh, like just getting authority is just that fact that I wouldn't have any connections, right? Like as far as brokers, and it would be further behind on pay. Like it would be thirty to sixty days before, like before I might be paid for some of the trips, right? In the beginning, those are certainly some of the risks. They're not the only risk. Um, another risk you've got to be ready for, not really a risk, but a, a difference in the operations that can create risk is the additional work. Your timing on this call might be perfect because uh, if you don't mind, um, I, I can put you back into the queue. Uh, David Owen is here with us. Dave and I will spend a little bit of time talking and we can bring you back in because that is really the purpose of Nastic is to help you with all of those issues that you will now face because you're a carrier. And when I say there's a lot of extra work, there is, but with Nastic, we can really cut down that workload. And if you are, are willing to do that and you're willing to do a little more work on your business plan upfront and you've got the, the right amount of capital, then if all of those boxes get checked, I have no problem with starting with your own authority. If a lot of times people just either they they weren't financially ready yet, they don't really want to put in the the extra work right now. So I've recommended starting with Landstar for years. Get it's kind of like uh, your authority with training wheels, and it allows you to focus on some other things. So there, both paths are right if we've got everything set up properly. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was thinking of as like a starting point, like the training wheel thing, like you said. Uh, and as far as like the capital is fine, like I could, I could uh, like keep my stuff at home fine and like basically keep the truck going for probably a few months, even without like any revenue or income. Then uh, and I'm like completely fine with the work then you may want to really explore the idea of just starting with your own authority. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I'm, I'm probably an hour away from Nastic myself, like where I live. So like I already had that plan, like to use all their services for that. Excellent. Let me do this. I'm going to, I'm going to put you back in the queue. 
And um, I'm going to spend some time with David, and then uh, David and I will come back to you together. All right. Uh, without further ado, David Owen, the uh, co-founder and president of Nastic. David, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. I've, I've, I could have stayed on mute and listened to that conversation for a long time. I loved it. <laughs> I love the fact. I love the fact that we're beginning to measure uh, measure some uh, some of the questions that he was asking, and boy, he was asking the right questions, wasn't he? You know, uh, and some of the questions that he was asking is being measured by how far away from nasty he is. That is, that was that was so refreshing. <laughs> so he, he he wants to know if he can get a little of that in person service. Absolutely, uh, that's the thing that's probably most gratifying about the last 35 years and uh we we started we didn't start out as with this this one to four or five truck business model our our sweet spot was small companies people generally five plus trucks five to 30 was really our sweet spot but as we broadened in what we offered uh we got down to where we could, my God, we could help these guys with exactly what this guy is facing. Some decisions uh, that are that are that are that a lot of people make without doing the proper homework or without taking their time to do them. They kind of get pushed into them, like buying the second truck, for instance. We, but we talk a lot about. You have to be able to prove that you know enough about the truck and enough about trucking and enough about uh, running a small business to run one truck successfully, and I mean in the low 80s, or you don't even need to get the second truck. But uh, what you're talking about, going directly to your own authority or another option, leasing onto Landstar while you get your water wings, so to speak, those are those are both good options, and we're we are really our new entry survival training class. We're running, we've run several thousand people through that now, and the uh, we're making an impact. The things, we we started really, I don't know, somewhat leveraging the smaller guys to come through that course, or they couldn't get on the fuel program. And the reason we did that, and it wasn't that, that popular decision, by the way. <laughs> a lot of people show up at our, our new engine survival training class with a big frown on their face. I know. You know, yeah. kind of a chest-out attitude. But usually, I think we're betting about 95%. When they leave, they're so glad they did it. Because I got tired of helping people save really tens of thousands of dollars on their fuel costs. And then watch them go broke because they made a couple of small, seemingly small mistakes right in those very vulnerable years from between the time when they decide to add a second truck or to already get their own authority. And uh, it, I'm telling you, that's a that's a very very important. And you know, I I think you made a big you make a big impact on. Trying to, and it's not that we can, I can't, we, you and I can't tell this guy what to do. Right, right. Uh, we can give him our best shot, but uh, I'd love for him to, you know, he's only an hour away. He, uh, I'd love to have him come to our next class. Our next one's in December, December the 8th. And I'd love to have him in the classroom because uh, I've got 45, 46 family, 46 people, very smart, very savvy 
young people who don't own any trucks and broker any freight or handle drivers, and uh, they they like to go to work for guys that are in his position. No kidding. You know, uh, and I will be at that class, by the way. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, you said something that that this was not a popular decision to kind of um, require some education, depending on where somebody was on the spectrum. And it's never easy to do the right thing. And, And that is the right thing. You know, it would be much easier for you to say, hey, look, we just want as many members as we can. Just let them all in. And you absolutely don't do that. Uh, my my criticism of our industry for years is that we do not have a group for owner operators that really educates them. They sell a bunch of services. They that, but I see very very little education. And for for you to step up and say we're going to require it sometimes, um, I, I think that's a wonderful choice. And I, again, I know it's not an easy choice. And and like you said, you get some people that really want that fuel discount so it's so big so they kind of grudgingly come along but then then they walk out realizing how important that class is you are it's the only program i'm aware of now i do a ton of education and i have a program kind of similar that goes really in depth but but it's not finished i'm not sure if or when i'll finish it it's a big project but as far as i'm aware of you're the only program like this. Now, there's all kinds of companies out there that will say, oh, let us get your authority. We'll handle everything. No, not really. They're going to handle the administrative paperwork stuff that you'll never have to do again anyway. Um, and, and what I see people do is they get all tied up in those kinds of details, but they never think about, about the business they're getting into and how to run it correctly. You know, um you just hit on something that that's missed. You don't need NASIC or OIDA or even a good transportation attorney to go get your authority. You can sit in your robe at night at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and, and computerize it. And by the way, just as soon as you hit the button, your phone starts ringing. Oh, boy. But, email blows uh, up. And, yeah. There's, there's, there's so many little things. The, I call it the minutia of details that have to be done. And, and the better that's done at that stage, the more solid your authority is built on. you got to build an authority to run trucks on, on a good, solid base. And that includes the BOC3, includes affordable insurance. It includes uh, a, a plan, a business plan to where you don't have you don't hire somebody else's bad driver and you get good people to drive your trucks. The... Uh, the whole idea we have, we've gotten authority. We don't try to pay the light bill by getting people's authority for crying out loud. But when somebody comes through our program to get their authority, we get in on the ground floor with them and we solve about 10 problems. I mean, almost overnight where they don't really have to answer that phone ringing off the wall for, from 25 different areas of the industry to try to do stuff for them because they're new authority holders. Now, it's not saying we're we're not Superman and we're not bulletproof, but the guys that we get authority for have a huge success rate compared to those that don't go through them. Another thing that you said that I that I like to try to tell people, and it sounds like a contradiction in the business world, we don't want everybody to be a nasty one. We really don't. 
You know, we want people who are taking it seriously, people who take safety seriously, people who are taking responsibility for their own actions in their business plan. Those are the people we want to try to help because, you know, as well as I do in the small small company world, You've got to have you've got to have a peer group to compete against, so that people will know you're a better risk or a better, safer company, or you hire better people to drive your truck. So we don't want everybody to be a nasty member. Matter of fact, it, but what we we don't turn anybody down. We answer the phone every time it rings. But the truth is, we you know I was asked one time how many how many this was when I had probably less than two thousand members. And uh, a guy that worked for me asked, well, David, what do you think you would, how many members, how many tens of thousands of members would you have if you had just given the membership away? And I thought about it. And I said, well, quite frankly, I would think I would have none. If you price your, if you price your, price your product or your programs or what at zero, then they're worthless. And if you don't charge something, now I am proud of the fact that we charge the same thing here 35 years later that we charged when we first started and had no products whatsoever to sell. Uh, or when I say product to sell, I don't mean it that with programs to sell, ideas to sell. We're still selling the same stuff we sold when I had no products you could touch and feel. We're selling ideas. And, uh, and they've they panned out to be really, really good, solid ideas uh, over the years. You know, I, I don't think a lot of our listeners understand how rare it is what you just said, that as a business, you made the decision up front, we don't want everybody. We, we can't be everything for everybody. And too many businesses uh, attempt to do that and then compromises everything they do. But it, it's... It, can be very, very tempting. I mean, it, you know how tough it is to run a business. You're never safe. Um, you know, it, it, in my opinion, nobody is ever too big to fail, although our government seems to think that that's a concept. Um, so it, it really is refreshing, and, it, and it, it's really why you've been so successful, because you, you, you took the hard step to say, we can't be everything for everybody. We know our market, and we will serve our market well. Well, the value of the new entrance survival training class is when they get through that class, I, I still teach it. And it's the most exciting thing I've ever done, quite frankly. I get a, I, I, I really get into that, and uh, I can't wait for you to be in the room because – your your opinion is very important to me, but the I love doing it, and and at the end of the day, uh, I think we paint a pretty good picture of some of the some of the hidden potholes or landmines that these guys. I'll give you a good example. He brought it up in his conversation earlier about either la- going with Landstar or, or getting his own authority. Uh, where's that network of brokers, for instance? I mean, we've—it's more and more the the idea in the industry is you call a broker and you just got your authority. And they say, "Well, we can't load you until you've been in business for six months or a year or whatever." Well, Nasty has is in the process of turning that 
around at least for our NASDAQ members who we introduced in NASDAQ's best brokers. It's 160 of the top three or 4% of brokerage firms in the country. And we're in the process of answering that problem or addressing that problem or mitigating that problem. We're not going to completely solve it. But the truth of the matter is that's a bit, that's going to be a big thing in 2024 in our offering. And when I start talking about that, the new interest of training class, everybody's eyes light up because they know exactly what I'm talking about. Another issue that we'll face with that, with that kind of relationship building between a broker and a small carrier or an independent contractor is the um, attention question and the uh, fuel surcharge question. Some of the terms and conditions that large carriers enjoy automatically with their terms and conditions that small carriers don't even know how to uh, start producing uh, are insisting upon on the front end when the contract is signed, not on the back end after the truck's been waiting for 12 hours. You know, I want to address your your broker program because I've been sending people to you for years because you've got the most amazing fuel card in the business, and it, it's, it is such a huge advantage for somebody to have that card. But one of, once you and I started talking, this was the, the service that really caught my attention. I had no idea you had been doing this for 35 years, finding really good brokers that want to work with smaller companies, vetting them, making sure they're everything they say they are, putting them in this program, monitoring. It, it is such an incredible program. There's nothing else like it in the industry because... I've worked with several companies to try to create something like it, and we've never been able to pull it off. I, I worked with the TIA for a while on this. Um, there were some talks between myself, the TIA, and truckstop.com, and it, it's not an easy thing to do. It's a very labor-intensive thing to do, and it takes time, and you've put in that time and that work, and, and what a huge benefit this is of being a NASTIC member that I would venture to say a, a lot of people that aren't members have no idea this exists. It's a sleeping gold mine, that's what it is. And I can honestly say that of those 200, 160 best brokers, they control probably uh, I, uh, 100 and some odd thousand loads a week collectively, maybe more than that. I don't have any idea. But the deal is, not one nasty when we're in 30. I think it's 33 years. I don't think we got it really off the ground to where we're two or three years old. So 33 years we've had this. Now, people say, well, I've never heard of that. I've never, you don't have, we've got a lot of members that have been nasty members for 20 years and never used the daggum thing. We, we publish a best, we, we publish a best broker's directory annually. And it only goes, it's not on the internet, it's not on the intertube, as I call it. it. It's a private, very closely held thing. We send one a year to each company that's a NASDAQ member. They don't get a second copy. They don't get They don't get, it, get to give a 15 copies or give it to their friends or anything else. It's, it's a private network that we we've hold close to our vest, but... We've had large brokers, I mean very successful brokerage firms, actually give sponsorships to small carriers and pay their way to come to our new entrance survival training class. I, I love that. When you so – go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, it's very, I thought oh, that was one of the smartest business deals I've ever had, but uh, we had a couple of brokers that did that for years. You know, when, when you made the statement uh, the other night we were talking and you said that we've never had a carrier lose money to a broker in 33 years, um, my first reaction, because I'm the, I'm always the skeptic. I know. I, I'm, I, I, it's a bull. Uh, that's what I said. I, I said, no, no, wait a minute. This this is a liar's counter story. This is bullshit. Come on, come on. And and then I, you know, I stopped and you and I talked and I thought, no, you know what? I, I, what an incredible thing. Because all I hear anymore, oh my God, freight fraud, broker fraud. I didn't get paid. It's just all over the place. And here you are with none of that happening within your network. Well, it. Uh... It evolved over years, and I will say this: we had a we've actually not renewed a couple of our broker friends who who kind of got more and more difficult with their terms and conditions of hire contracts and stuff like that. But as far as a one of our Nastics best brokers going out of business or having you having to file for their on their bond or anything to get your money, that's never happened. Yeah. Our, or if it happened, uh, the parties did not inform me. Now, so right. that could have possibly happened. But that that that's the little wiggle room for the BS factor. That yeah. I'll have to, I'll have there, there you go. There you go. What what an incredible record! And the reason I got so excited about this program when I heard it. So again, when I try to teach somebody how to make this transition. I try to get their focus off all the administrative stuff they're worried about. It's a one-time thing. It, you know, we'll get through it. Where you need to be focused, I kind of break it down into two two categories. You, you need a strategy, a big picture. What What is your new carrier business going to look like? What part of the country do you want to run in? What freight do you want to specialize in? And I would highly recommend you take the time and, and work this out that you don't just say, oh, I've got my authority and then start looking around for freight. Have a big picture strategy and then have those tactics that will get you to that strategy. And the most important part of that strategy is who is your customer going to be? And I, it makes me a little crazy in this industry that we don't use the word customer very much at all. We are not very customer focused. And, and when I try to change that, this is the like the perfect solution for I, I've said forever for a small carrier, your customer, your primary focused customer should be three to five good brokers that you have a great relationship with. You treat them like your best customers. And they will give you probably 90 to 95% of your freight and then have a simple load board account like truckstop.com to fill in everywhere else. Now, building that list of three to five brokers takes a lot of work. It, it, but you have done 90% of that work for them. All they have to do is call them and start building the relationship. That's what we want to do. We want to, we want to sell ourselves right out of the transaction. In other words, what we want to do is be... We want to house the terms and conditions for the carrier, the terms and conditions for the broker in our website. But 
we don't want to get involved with the transaction. We don't want to get in and help them write their terms and conditions or what, what they're going to try to put in the contract because that actually is illegal. But the uh, then we're acting as a uh, actually a true broker. We're not brokering anything. Right. Matter of fact, we want our members to develop that direct relationship with that guy in Wisconsin that gets them out of Wisconsin all the time. And a starting point for that to work in that business plan, in my opinion, if I were doing it, I would take the map of the United States. And I would, you know, when you talk to a small carrier owner operator, where do you run? Oh, I run all forty-eight. Well, that's not the right answer. That's correct. The right answer is, the right answer is I said, I'll run 12 of the 48, but I don't like to go outside of my, my real honey hole is within five or six lanes or 10 lanes or, or 12 states. And so if you hone it down to like your regular stuff, we're getting some regular stuff. And then you then you want to build a relationship in those lanes. I mean, well, I, I honestly believe if I had trucks and I had trouble getting out of Wisconsin, I could get my car and drive to a few small manufacturing companies in Wisconsin and say, here's my car, here are my trucks, here are my drivers, I want to haul some of your freight. And, they, and I would fill that lane. Or... Go to the nasty West Brokers directory, find that guy, two or three guys in Wisconsin, pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, nasty has you as the best broker. I have trouble getting out of these spots in Wisconsin. Can you help me? And I think good things happen from that. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And, and to me, this may be the single, now I won't even say may, this is a single most important transition they need to make. You know, with, with anybody that owns a truck, I don't care what you do with it, we focus on expenses. You got to have you got to have your expenses down nice and tight. Uh, that's almost a given. But many people will get there and then they'll struggle with this freight and revenue side. Like you said, they don't have a plan. They're just going to run whenever. They just they finish one load. They show up on a load board. They start searching for another load. Th- that is is not a good business model at all. It's what uh, about 95 or more percent of the people are going to do. And the good news is, it's so easy to compete against them with the tools you offer. Absolutely. You know, we, we it, in our conversation, one thing, one thing about our conversations, uh, we can never be arrested for premeditated comments because we don't, uh, neither one of us use, uh, uh, prepare anything. We just start talking. Uh, and that's, that's worked for the last four or five conversations. <laughs> One of the drawbacks, however, is you. Uh, at my age, sometimes I forget where the hell I was headed with that comment because I don't have a clue right now. <laughs> well, you know, I have to say, over the last uh, several weeks, you and I have, you know, kind of joked that for thirty-five years we were we were traveling right next to each other down the same road, but we never crossed into each other's lane. And uh, we were doing a lot of the same things for a slightly different group. And I, I feel like over the last three weeks, we've tried to make up for 35 years all at once. <laughs> well, you know what? One thing, one thing that, excuse me, I get some water. One thing that, uh, <laughs> that uh, comes to mind is that 
that term relationships. I mean, we. You're right. We. Uh, I think at one time you and I both considered each other possibly in some ways competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I started, you know, then I started getting these calls and saying, you know, Kevin Rutherford thinks a lot of your program, and uh, I started paying a little attention. And I, I, when I when I when I first reached out to you uh, a few six months ago, I guess eight months ago, yeah, I told you right off the bat that I owed you. Some, I owed you. <laughs> you sent us. You sent us members. Just you know, somebody called you and asked you about fuel programs. You didn't hesitate. You didn't ask. You got the best one for small carriers, and and that was kind of the end of the conversation. And you're credibility was such that the next call we got was, hey, Kevin Rutherford said you had a really good program. I need to look at it. You, you know what I think? And then I did. about half of your, I pissed <laughs> about half of your tribe off. I said, well, how many trucks you got? Well, I got two. Well, <laughs> don't have to come to dinner. <laughs> Kevin didn't say that. <laughs> well, we're saying it now. So, uh, it, it, you know, one of the things I, I want to say that I really believe carried even more weight than my recommendation. And I, I agree, but people listen and, and uh, I've built a lot of trust over the years and I, I don't recommend things lightly. Um, I have to be very convinced before I'll even talk about something much less recommended. But I really believe in this case, what was far more powerful than my recommendation was every time it came up, I'd get three calls from members who had the card and say, you have to go get it. And I really believe that was even more powerful than me saying it. So you got you got confirmation from your listeners. Absolutely. And, uh, and it's amazing. Uh, it is so gratifying. When I've, I'll get 40 to 50 people in my New Hampshire survival class. And uh, the invariably, we'll get somebody that's already, already a NASTIC member uh, and has got more than five trucks, uh, but is using the card, been using the card for a couple of years. And when we start talking about fuel, they just say, hey, guys, it's all over. There aren't any comparisons. Now, here, one thing I would like to say, that doesn't mean that we're going to have the lowest cost all the time at every stop. We've got over 1,200 truck stops in our in our network. And the way wholesale fuel works these days, it can move 20 cents in a day. And so the way the individual truck stops or the individual chains price their fuel is sometimes based on replacement cost and not the current cost. So, uh, that, but day in, day out, uh, I don't see how anybody could possibly beat the. Uh, I had a salesman one time that used this for us. I really liked it. It's not what you pay for the fuel; it's how much does it cost you to fuel your truck. Ah, good point. There's a difference. It, it, there is a difference. And what our network allows, it takes the small carrier who has been buying marquee price fuel forever until we came along and it telling his drivers, go find the cheapest fuel you can find in this lane and don't bring me a TA Petro a receipt. I can't afford the fuel. So what that, the value, the real value of our, of our fuel program 
And you can believe this or not, you can call the bullshit on me again if you want to, but the truth <laughs> of the real value of our fuel program is that it allows very small com- companies to put their drivers consistently every night in full facility truck stops where they can get hot food, hot showers, pave parking, and, and park and protect themselves and their load in a safe haven. Now, that one item, forget the discounts, and the discounts are off the chart, but forget the discounts for a moment and tell me that you can hire good people to drive your trucks without that. You can't. Good point. So Very good if point. you're not going to get on our fuel program, if you're not going to get on our fuel program and provide a full facility truck stop network to fuel your trucks, don't add a second you won't keep the driver or you won't get that million mile driver that you need to survive. Excellent point. You know, the other thing I I have really realized um, since I've been down here with you, you have been very generous with your time. You, you have introduced, I have met more people in this industry, more really influential people in this industry um, in the last three weeks, because you've introduced me to them and, and it's been in an environment where I've had time to really sit down and talk with them um, really get to know people. And it is absolutely obvious why you've been so successful. You have some of the most incredible relationships in this industry that I've ever seen. Well, it's, uh, I, I, and I'm proud of them. Uh, and basically, uh, people that are paying attention uh, have begun to recognize that, and I say this with all the humility I can muster, we're we we have successfully put together a very fragmented segment of trucking that's small, usually family-owned, rural-based, usually one dispatcher owner companies all over the country, and we're really the only entity through which you can reach these people effectively. So, a lot of the people that we have those. 30-year relationships, and you met a bunch of them this week uh, or this month, and uh, there go back. I mean, you you don't build a 30-year relationship in a few months. That's exactly right. Uh, and uh, it's very refreshing, the, 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 the amount of, I don't know, genuine uh, energy and brain power that we have our hands on. I mean, I can pick up the phone and call Dan Baker. I can pick up the phone and call Kathy Dazzle, Tom O'Brien, uh, Jeff Davis, Hank Seaton, Rick Gobble, to name a few right off the top of my head. And uh, there's not a lot of people that can do that. And, and guess what other point that I make or try to make when I'm talking to a guy with less than five trucks, when you get become a NASTIC member and you begin to look at the things that we can help you with for very little money, um, you, we literally move you from the back of the line to the front of the line in a lot of respects. And that's what we're aiming to do with this relationship between our NASTIC best brokers and new entrants, because that is going to be one thing we're going to focus a lot of energy, a lot of capital, and a lot of resources on in 2024. I, I love that. I, I, I even want to go back and expand on that, that thought about relationships, because, you know, I was talking about your kind of business partners, service providers, the, the relationships you've built 
for to help with the services you provide. But um, I've spent a lot of time with you. I spent a lot of time at NASTIC. I spent a lot of time at the conference meeting people. That that concept of your really strong relationships also applies to all your employees. I've never seen such a, a tight-knit group of happy people. And your relationships with your carriers. You've had small family-run carriers that, that are like family around there. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I just, I don't know why we've been so blessed. I guess we were, uh, uh, I guess we got rewarded for our stubbornness. <laughs> we knew there was a, we knew that this lump of coal called small full truckload long haul family owned businesses was worth, was worth the effort, but nobody ever did what we did. Nobody ever went to see them. No, nobody ever figured out how to bring them all into a group without them feeling like they were sleeping with the enemy. Uh, and it, it's just it's it's crazy how good it feels to be at our age and our corporate age to feel like almost everybody that becomes a Mastic member stays a Mastic member until they give up on trucking. Uh, and uh, and we help them. We yeah. honestly do help them. I've had people come up and say, I wouldn't be in business. To, hey, come up and cuss me. I would have gotten out of this business a long time ago if it hadn't been for you. Yeah, right, right. And that, you know, that that's so gratifying. And you and I have been, you know, swapping war stories and, and going way back over both of our careers. And it's been fun to kind of reminisce. And I, I just love the stories of you talking about, you know, being out on the road yourself, traveling to, to, to meet these small companies. And, and sometimes those meetings were at 830 in the evening over dinner with the family. And I just, I just love hearing those stories. I'm telling you, uh, I, I like to have a nickel for every time I've sat in the kitchen and talk to the husband and wife or the son or the daughter and, um, and to just talk, you know, just got to know each other, but not really, not really trying to, you know, we didn't have anything to sell, Kevin. We didn't have a product. We, you we had an idea. We had, we had to sell a concept. Yeah. More than anything else, out of that empty briefcase, we were selling some hope. And the truth of the matter is, they needed it at the time. I don't think I, in that first few years, I don't think I called on a company that didn't, that disagreed with what we were doing or that felt uh, that they had wasted their, I, my modus operandi, as I told you, I just hunkered down the office until they are either bought or kicked me out. And a lot of times I get, I never got kicked out. I said, listen, <laughs> I had one guy tell me, he said, you know, I love what you're doing, but I, and he got tears in his eyes and he said, but if I write you that $300 check today, it would bounce. And it was the one objection that I didn't have a way to overcome. Wow. And that's, and it was a guy was a, a little company in West Virginia and he was literally up against it so bad. He'd hocked his, he'd run up every credit card. He'd hocked his second mortgage on his house. And it, was just, it was so sad. Eventually he joined, but it was a couple of years later, later he wow. called me back and reminded me of that conversation. He didn't forget it and I didn't forget it. 
You know, I think the biggest mistake I've made since you called me is not to make sure that every time you and I were speaking, I had it recorded somehow. There, there is, there has been so much gold and platinum in in what you and I have talked about. And I, you know, I sit down sometimes and I think I, I'm always thinking about ideas for new shows and ways to communicate things. And I, I just keep thinking of of a show that we would we could call like story time with david and kevin it, it, it's just it's such, <laughs> the stories have been just so and, and they're interesting and they're they're fun to talk about but there's always a lesson in there too well you know yeah i've told you many times and you can't you can't steal this from me now but the title <laughs> of my book you can't like this up <laughs> now wait a minute Wait a minute. We don't have to be censored on this show. I'm going to tell them the way you normally say it. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> that has more impact. You're right. Yeah, that's right. Isn't it, one, isn't it wonderful to be able to say exactly what you feel that's... and not feel threatened? Not wonder if I'm going to get some, yeah, some random text from somebody saying, what did you say? Call me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've both been there and done that. Anyhow, uh, like I say, they they can uh, they can kill us, but they can't eat us, and That's they right. can't ever accuse us of uh, you know they can't accuse our comments as being premeditated because they're always on. Sure. But I'm like you. The other thing too, I would like to tell your listeners. I'm gonna figure out a way to do this. Uh, we're doing podcasts now, and we've done about a dozen of them this year. We started in the middle of the year, and we drop a we drop an hour or two in uh, on the first and third Thursdays of every month. But they're for our members. Here again, here right. again, I've got to either change change my mind and allow some of your tribe who who don't need nasty. And here again, I don't want everybody to join nasty. You know, I want the companies that uh, that that we can help. And uh, now, I honestly believe we can help most of them. And sometimes we help them out of the industry. I have had guys that come through the class and say, come up to me after the past. He says, I'm so glad I came. I'm 71. I can't do this shit. Here's your stuff back. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's, it's funny that you say that because when I wrote my book about how to buy your first truck and get into the industry properly, I spent the entire first two, almost three chapters trying very hard just to talk people out of it completely. Well, it sounds so counterintuitive or counterproductive to do it that way, but that's really an honest approach because I think so many future drivers or future trucking companies get get sucked into the industry without really understanding how dadgum hard it is. There are some things about this industry that I don't care how good a businessman you are. I don't care how good a trucker you are. I don't care how much you know about trucks or tires or fuel or fuel mileage. You still have so many things you cannot control. And it is, it is in, and we're in a politically correct, industry, I say this over and over again, we're just not, 90% of the people who vote don't like trucks or don't understand them or are afraid of yeah. on the highway. Yep. 
We'll never win the argument. People talk about improving our image, improving our... I'm all for that. We need to do everything we can to improve our image. But truthfully, 10,000 trucks can run down a two-mile stretch of interstate, and one guy makes a mistake, and that's the guy that everybody remembers. You know, I'll tell you a frustrating time I had with this. This goes way back early in my career. I... I, uh... I managed to somehow they they voted me onto the Florida uh, road team, and our job was to go out and, and speak outside of the industry and talk about what a great industry we are. And after a couple events, you know, I kind of went back to the to the team that kind of ran the the team, the road team, and I said, "We've got a problem." And it was kind of what you're just talking about. I, I said, look, I, I love going out and talking about how great we are in the industry. But every time I'm talking, somebody on the way to that conference has some complaint about what a truck just did. And honestly, I can't argue with them because on my way to the conference, I was complaining about something a truck just did. And that leads to one of my biggest pet thieves. The current administration and the current regulatory agencies and the current the current uh, uh, man on the street or the people we share the highways with, they are, I keep hearing zero deaths. Oh, it makes me so mad I could spit. Uh, I hear zero deaths. They want to regulate us as if we're operating in a vacuum. As if we're operating, and all of those, all of those people that are saying that are never in on, on. They never suit up. They never on the playing field. They never take a snap. They don't know the damn thing about what it, what it's like on the interstate, and they're trying to regulate for perfection when really they should be regulating for trends. I w- I'm going to wear this out over the next. 12, 14, 18, two years, whatever months I've got left in the industry, it is shameful. It is horrible the number of lives that were lost in large truck, car crashes, or accidents. I hate calling them crashes in 2021. For the first time since the early 1970s, uh, the early 1970s, we had 5,700 plus fatalities. And for the first time since they've been keeping records, more than a thousand people killed in our trucks. That that is deplorable, and that is on the that is on the heels of all this re-regulation insanity that's come down in the last since CSA came out in 2010. And I'm you know I'll probably get be speaking to a lot of empty mics. But I'm going to be wearing them out every chance I get about that number. And they can't run and hide from that number, Kevin. No, they can't. And, you know, I've, I, I, I've, I've, go ahead. I've, uh, I've called Steve Kepler, who you met in, in, yes. in Nashville at our meeting. I've asked him to do a white paper. He's a, he's a data diver. He's the guy that he wrote the only definitive book ever written about uh, large truck car accidents, causation, and he goes into about 20 different elements of causation uh, in the crashes or accidents. 
I swear they got my brain dead. Okay. I'm calling it crash. I hate, I hate that. Anyhow, planes crash, trucks don't. Anyhow, uh, Steve is in the in the. I, I have charged him with white, writing us a white paper on the true crash causation of all the fatalities, all 5,700 of them in 2010. And I want to identify the percentage that were caused by deer, uh, the percentage that were caused by people jumping out in front of a truck and commit suicide, the ones that were caused by uh, nature, like uh, a forest fire that puts 10 miles of interstate uh, in an invisible situation suddenly, uh, or smog, or fog, blackouts, or whiteouts, or whatever. I want to uh, determine how many fatalities occurred in construction sites. Here's here's one of my pets. We're spending this money on the infrastructure. God bless. We need better roads. We be, need better bridges. But with all the orange barrels, I've, I'm operating on a theory that there's a direct correlation between orange barrels, the number of orange mar- barrels in a geographic area, and the number of people that are killed in big truck car crashes. Uh, Let me give you a good example of that. That that just happened in Nashville, or was I in Chattanooga? I can't remember. I think it was Nashville. Uh, Chattanooga's got all the uh, construction downtown. That's right. So there's a lot right. of construction downtown. So I I know I'm getting ready to move my coach downtown for the event, and I decide to do it really early in the morning because I just know this traffic's going to be a mess with all the construction. It's like 3.30 in the morning when I'm coming through there. But the placement of the barrels was so bad to lead to the downtown exit that as, as hard as I was trying and no traffic to deal with, I still missed it. And, and once I missed it, then I ended up in the wrong part of downtown because it was like a two exit thing. You exit, then the exit split again. And I missed the, the turn on the second part of it. Ended up in a place in downtown that I hadn't been planning on being. Had to figure out how to get back on the interstate because there was no way they had roads closed downtown. So I had to get back on the interstate, head the wrong direction, find a place to turn around, come back and do it again. What a mess it was. And I can't imagine what that would have been like. Now I'm in a 45-foot coach. I can maneuver way better than a truck. Um, I can't imagine what a mess that would have been with a truck and traffic. I can't either, and it happens all the time. The uh, one of the one of my pet, another one of my pet peeves that has to do with multiple car, multiple vehicle accidents, and this is something that has got to be fixed. It's got to be fixed today, and I can't imagine the insurance community allowing this to go forward. If we weren't all the country weren't wasn't dominated by lawyers, we would have gotten this fixed even though tort reform seems to be further and further away. And that is, in CSA, if there's a multiple vehicle crash that involves accident, every truck involved in that accident, regardless of fault, is given a fatality or two or whatever number of fatalities occurred in that crash, in that wreck, each one of the companies. And we had a perfect example of that right outside Nasdaq headquarters in Hendersonville. We had a 67, we had some black ice that formed on an overpass that's curved. And there was no way for anybody to ever see this coming. And then when it started happening, the curve kept people from knowing that everything was still ahead of them 500 yards. 
and it piled up about 65 fish. Oof. 18, I think it was 18 big trucks and two fatalities. Every every vehicle, every large truck in that deal had two fatalities on the vehicle. It was not, and here's, here's, and I've got a picture of this. I'm, I'm going to resurrect this because I've shared this picture with them at PSA, but it gets, it gets to 86. I happened to, the, the last car in the chain was a young man who had two or three kids, and he was in his late 20s going to work. Never had an opportunity to even hit the brakes because of the way the curvature of the interstate was, he was the last person in the crash or the wreck. And he ran out the dirt truck and decapitated him. And uh, I knew his I knew his father. And that personal those personal things. Yeah. You know what you know what the truck that he ran up under, you know what was in front of that truck? What? A loaded scoop. Oh. Oh truck driver, the truck driver managed to stop and not hit that school bus. And my friend's son ran up under that truck and lost his life. And that truck driver and that trucking company was a mail hauler. Got two fatalities on a CSA score. Yeah, that, that's just some kind of, oh, of metal. Right. Being able to stop this damn truck and save the 37 lives of people. David, I, um, I I don't know what I was thinking. I made a statement this morning that uh, that I was kind of tired after all these events and all this activity, and I, I really needed to kind of take a little bit of a break this week. I'm going to do the show, but I'm going to keep it shorter most days. I actually made the comment, um, when David joins us, um, you know, we'll do a half hour, and we're going to quit today at the top of the hour. And I just looked up. You and I have been talking. You and I have been talking for an hour already, and there's two two things I absolutely want to get to before we let you go. I have a couple callers on the line that want to talk to you, and I also I also want to kind of finish with just a quick list. We won't spend a lot of time on details today, but but a quick list of of what it is that Nastic offers. I, I could use a refresher. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around some of this because you have so many programs I just wasn't aware of. So can can we manage that? Sure. I, you know, well, you know where I am and what I'm doing. I'm in uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly what position I'm in here. I do. I've got, I, I, I can talk all day. All right. Let's uh, let's bring Ilya back with us. That was the call you were listening to earlier. Ilya, thank you for being patient. Welcome back. No problem. Uh, you know, all we got is time out here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, That's the truth. Yeah. Um, no, that sounds good. Everything makes sense. Even the broker network thing. I could actually, I remember you guys were talking about that uh, maybe a couple months ago. Um, that's super helpful too. It, it is a, it's I an even, it's be, oh, go ahead, David. I think it's going to be one of the best things we've ever done. Uh, and it's finally, you know, I've had the dream of being able to do a closed network of relationship building and staying out of brokerage and staying out of the trucking side but being the conduit to introduce good, small, new carriers to great brokers and their freight on a daily basis with the idea that we're not trying to hook you into our program so you pay us a fee every month. 
we're trying to introduce you to the brokers you need to, when you need them and where you need them. Well, your, your model, David, makes total sense. You're not hooking anybody into anything. You are doing everything you can to ensure they stay in business, because if they stay in business, they're going to stay as your customer. I, I, it's brilliant. It, it's, it's a lot of work. It doesn't happen quick. Um, I want to say something else, though, about this broker program. I can't think of a time in my almost 40 years in the industry where this program has now become more important. I can remember, it wasn't that long ago, I'm thinking maybe 10 years ago, I never heard things like, that broker wouldn't even load me because I have new authority. And I started hearing that, and then that kept growing and growing and growing. And then just recently, I, I heard another new one, that broker won't load me because I don't have a clean roadside inspection, or I don't have any roadside inspection. And that has become more and more of a challenge. And you've got this, like I say, I can't think of a time where this broker network was more important than it is today. You, you brought up a really, really, this is one of those, uh, I call them $25 bombs that blows up a $50 million bridge. <laughs> what they, they tried, they tried to do when I say they, I'm talking about large trucking entities in conjunction with our federal government, in conjunction with the Federal Motor Carrier State Administration, in conjunction with the insurance community, and in conjunction with the lawyers across the country. What they tried to do some years back, they, oh, wait a second, this is a non-rated broker. I mean, this is a non-rated carrier. You can't hire that non-rated carrier. You don't know who you're hiring. And guess what? 90% of the small construction companies in America are non-rated because the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration can't get around to rating them. They build an infrastructure to rate carriers that is full of holes, impractical, and they can't even accomplish the mission. They, they can't even do what they are supposed to do with new entrant, new entrant uh, uh, audits. Uh, they do maybe 10,000 audits a year when we've got yeah. three yeah. entrants a year. <laughs> yeah. You know? so, so, so they tried to identify the, the nomenclature of you're a non-rated carrier. If you, you, as a broker, if you use this non-rated carrier, you're subjecting yourself to vicarious uh, liability and, uh, uh, what is it, negligent hire lawsuits if something bad happens. I mean, and that that is a real issue, a real problem, and it's poking its head back through the guacamole bowl again. Yep, and and the way to solve it is not the government. The way to solve it is exactly what you do. It, it, we solve this locally and, and with relationships, and it, it will work far better. And, again, I, I can't think of a time where this kind of a network would be more important. Uh, Ilya, anything we can answer specifically for you right now? No, that's that pretty helpful. It's interesting. Uh, definitely looking to sign up uh, as soon as I get a couple more things handled here. Yeah, and I will. Uh, I'll you? You, you say you're an hour from from headquarters in, in Nastic. Where are you located? Uh, I live in Chapel Hill, and I drive between Murfreesboro and Nashville four times a day. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So, so Ilya, I'm uh, here. 
I, I'm going to look forward to sitting in class with you on December 8th. All right. Sounds good. I'm actually signed up for your coaching also, so I'll be up there also. Perfect. All right. We will. Uh, that's yeah, he is. He is. I know. Uh, let, let's grab another. I can't wait to meet you, Elliot. Yeah. Let's grab another call. Let's go to Indiana. Matt, welcome. Good afternoon. I wanted to thank David for uh, coming on the show today and touching base and get connected with you. And I had a couple questions for you about the new entrant program. Okay. Uh, so I've been considering uh, getting my own authority for several years, actually. And I was wondering if the new entrant program would be geared towards someone like me or if it's focused more towards guys who have already made the jump and got their authority and are starting to drive. Actually, we love we love to get uh, to get uh, you at this stage. And like I said, like Kevin and I both uh, alluded to earlier, some of the times some of the times we feel if you're going to tell the truth, sometimes you ought you ought to tell everybody all the warts about trucking before you tell them what a beautiful thing a frog is, and the. Uh, uh, one of the one of our, if we're going to tell the truth, that's what we want to do. But when we get a company like you're talking about at the ground floor, uh, we solve so many problems for you that you won't see coming, or that you'll have to spread out and use ten different relationships to solve. And I don't think anybody will do them as effectively as we will, or as cheaply, or as quick. So, yes, we love to get you. Uh, we we love to be able to get your authority, and when you do, we immediately, whether you're kicking or screaming, like it or not, we're going to put 45 very smart young people on the job to help you work your way through that. Without without calling you every day or harassing you or anything, we just want to put our stuff in front of you. So uh, say I took the new intern program, and then decided that now wasn't the right time to jump in and get my own authority. Would I still be eligible to be a NASTIC member at that point? So then in the future, when I when I did do that, I could pick up and start running, or would I have to go back through the program, or how does that work? Uh, good question. The uh, I think uh, that wouldn't keep you from being a NASTIC member at all. Uh, the uh, That's something that I would have to review with my VP of sales and how they're doing that. That's a, kind of a unique question. One of the things we never have wanted to do, have somebody join our group and we can't help them immediately. If you if you go back to our first year when Buster Anderson and I started, we charged the same amount of money that we charge now. It's basically $300 a year. And uh, what I told them then, when I didn't have anything to sell, they say, well, can I get my money back if you don't make it? And my answer was, no, you can't. I don't have it. I've spent more than that coming to see you. But if we don't give you a return on your investment in a year, just don't renew your membership. So the membership was always attached to a value, to a return on your investment. And so <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, if you went through that, and decided not to activate your authority right then. I think you could probably you could still be a member of NASTIC as an owner operator if you're running a truck. If you were leased on, we take NASTIC members that are leased on the very large carriers. 
namely the yeah. general our fuel program, because most times it beats the large carriers program. Yeah, it really just the, the, the whole idea is they don't want you to be a member if they're not providing value. But but I've looked at the program enough to know when I had my trucks leased on, I, I wish I would have been a member. There There's plenty of value there. I, one of the things, Kevin, that is most that is we didn't see this coming at all. There's a, so, so much that we did not anticipate when we started Nasty. One was the advocacy part. We spend. God, I don't even want to know how much we spend, but it's over half a million dollars every year in Washington lobbying on this lobbying on behalf of small full truckload family-owned trucking companies all over the country. So even if he's not got an authority, even if he's not running a truck, but he's interested in protecting this niche of business, that's a reason in and of itself to be a member. Let let me address that because I, I have dealt with lots of associations in trucking and one of my complaints about every one of them has been they don't really seem to identify who their customer is. They take everybody and anybody with no kinds of qualification. And then when they go to advocate, I, they kind of look a little schizophrenic to me. I, I'm like, wait a minute. It's, what, what you guys are adver- advocating for does not work for me at all. Why are you advocating for this? And then I find out because they have an awful lot of employee drivers as members. Most of the time, they're advocating for things that are in direct conflict with a small business. You are the only group I know that clearly identifies who their customers are. And once you do that, then it's a whole lot easier to go advocate and be effective. Well, sometimes we get just as confused as other people because... The business is so convoluted. Uh, it always intrigued me that uh, uh, that uh, particularly when it come, comes to unions or, or an issue like AB5, uh, how some people that seemingly would be on one side of that issue were on the other when it was threatening the very owner-operator model in general. I, I, that's the, the, the one that just makes me insane. I, they are trying to eliminate the entire model. Exactly, and they're and unfortunately, uh, there there are people that are there that are supposed advocates for the owner operator who are on the wrong side of the issue. They, in my opinion, they absolutely are. Matt, any uh, any other questions we can answer for you right now? Uh, no, but I would certainly encourage him to open up that podcast, non numbers. So, <laughs> I'm 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 working on that. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why Kevin and I are talking so much. We're trying to figure out exactly how to do that. Yeah, we we are. I believe our list is long, uh, and it seems like every time we get together, the list gets longer. We haven't even really started on on working on any of these things. I think we're still compiling the list of all the things we're going to work on. Well, it, it, you know, it, it may be a simplification, but we really don't have to do anything. We'll just talk more. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of which, uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. You go. Yeah, speaking of which, I, I do want to, uh, and we're going to get you back a lot more. This is going to become a regular thing. Um, it, they're going to hear a lot from us. Um, I really need to kind of wrap this up before my voice fails on me. It's starting to get a little rough. 
Um, but I want to go through um, and just have you kind of run quickly down all of the services you've put together over the years that can help these guys. I think there's a, there's a laundry list. Obviously, our Frank Sinatra, the thing that attracts most people is our tremendously unequaled uh, turning around of the way small, very small carriers and road carriers are treated at the fuel pumps with our fuel program. And uh, that's an amazing program. Uh, there's, a, there's several elements in it that I don't have time to dig down into just beyond the actual discounts. The, the the daily fuel hedge and the, and the new fuel app that allows you to really shop a lane and even cherry pick our high high discount stops. That's our that's our biggest most that's the thing that brought us kind of sent us far. One of the programs, however, that a lot of people don't even know we do. And one of the things that's the problem with small trucking is the fact that if you've got one truck or a thousand trucks, you have to do the same things as from as far as the regulatory agency is concerned. And drug and alcohol testing is one of our very, very successful programs. We we do drug and alcohol testing administration for over five thousand companies all across the country. We have we can turn we can collect urine in any any location in the continental United States and tell you whether to drive hire that driver the next day. That's important to small carriers because they need the driver in the truck. And uh, that's 99% of the time, not 100% of the time. Uh, but that program is one of, I'm very, very, very proud of that program in that we just don't make, we do everything from, from, from the beginning to end. And we're big advocates, particularly because most of our small carriers are rule-based and out in the middle of nowhere. We're huge advocates of on-site collection which really is a tremendous advantage for a small carrier. Yeah, Anyhow, uh, we do that. that. And we have, almost, Kevin, we don't have anybody out of those 5,000 carriers that's in trouble with CSA on drug and alcohol testing. None, zero. We, no. And as a matter of fact, they probably wouldn't like to hear this, but if, if the FNCSA comes and looks for a small carrier, somebody under 30 trucks or 40 trucks, and they got a problem with uh, drug and alcohol testing, they'll probably hint that they ought to give us a buzz because we can solve those problems. Got it. Anyhow, that's the second that one. We formed our own insurance agency about 12, 14 years ago, and we're the only insurance agency that I know of that works from the ground up and is, cares more about a guy with one or two trucks than, than a guy with 20, because that's not the way the insurance community looks at things. And that's an area that's really, really ripe for progress because of our attempt to represent small carriers in that marketplace on truck insurance. I'm talking about liability, physical damage, cargo, and workers' comp, and maybe even the Mock Act, but the, uh, all the lines of insurance. That's a, that's a sister company of ours called NASDAQ Insurance Services. And uh, we're, then we're connecting the dots between your insurance premium and trying to get over that hump, that big problem that we have in small trucking company, which this guy said, I love to quote it, these little trucking companies just aren't having enough access for us to measure. 
you know, we get into a non-rated, it takes four events to get into CSA. Most of our guys aren't in CSA. Most of our guys aren't rated. And the truth of the matter is they're paying three and four and five times amounts of insurance just because of that, not because of any safety issue. That's a really so we're connecting the dots. We're connecting the dots between our management and safety uh, program, which we call MSP, and it's got ten elements within it, and it's probably, in my opinion, probably the best risk management program for insurance or safety that exists in the country today. And I and I'll compare it with the millions of dollar programs that the big companies have. I know for a fact that the best, safest, most profitable business model in long-haul trucking is one person, one truck, one trailer. And those are the people we want to write. And guess what? Unlike other insurance agencies or insurance companies, we want that company to add a second, third, and fourth truck, and we're not going to cancel their insurance if they do. So those are three of our biggies. That whole MSP program, underneath that, there are, oh, a half a dozen things that are lined up with safety that are within that program, like Professional Driver's Advantage. Professional Driver's Advantage is a program that we send a package to the 5,000 drivers that are in that program every month that includes a newsletter that's written specifically for them, a some kind of discount thing for a free cup of coffee at a TA or whatever, and a safety, of, we call it our, it's a it's a audio magazine for trucker trucks, and they get it every month. And it's a ninety day warm and fuzzy feeling magazine for drivers. Uh, but within that CD and flash drive, we're getting into the twentieth century with different vehicles to make this work in a truck. Um, within each one of those CDs or flash drives, there's a 12 to 20 minutes safety and awareness program. So the driver listens to this program. He signs a piece of paper each month that says he did, and it goes in his driver's file. And after the accident or when you're uh, going through an audit, uh, you've got, if the guy's been driving for you for four years, you've got 48 pieces of paper that says he attended a, a safety and awareness program every month for the last 48 months. That one thing is is priceless for a small carrier to protect himself. Another element that's in the MSP program that people don't even think about until it's a little late is MVRs. You know, you're required to update your MVRs once a year. Well, in 32 states, uh, a driver can lose his license for not paying his alimony on his child support. He doesn't know that. The company doesn't know that unless they're updating MVRs more regularly than that. We update our MVRs and our safety program, our management safety program, in the states that we can monthly and quarterly. And uh, so that time frame that you got a driver out there that without a active license is cut severely. Um, the other things that we do, we're, one of pre, we're a big advocate for pre-pass. I think pre-pass is if you're... If you're going to add a second truck to your business and you want to get somebody, a good person to drive your truck, you need to have pre-pass. There's not a safety program in America that gives your drivers an extra hour of driving time a day 
like prepast, and if you can qualify for it, prepast plus is even even more cost effective because being a part of our prepast program, you're in a program that's big enough to get all the discounts at the tolls. So you get billed once a month for tolls, and uh, you also enjoy the full discount that a guy with eight thousand trucks would. So those are a few. Uh, I'm, oh, we have a we have a software development company. It's called Mass Tech National. One of those relationships that you talked about, Bobby Harder and I started when he started his company uh, called it was Transplatinum Service Corporation back in 1980, and we started together in 1990 after he sold his company and it became Fleet One, which became Wex Fleet One. After he sold his company, uh, he and I started a of developing a proprietary software to run one truck to a hundred trucks uh, from the seat, from the from the truck. That's very cost effective, and and we were, I guess, fifteen twenty years ahead of the on using cloud uh, subscription type uh, technology for the software. It doesn't it costs almost um, it costs very little startup cost. There's no cost startup cost. You just Connects with QuickBooks, uh, speaks to QuickBooks. You can put a truck, a driver, and a load together, and it bills your customers, pays your drivers. And, uh, it's single data entry. It's wonderful software. It's called Mystic, M-Y-S-T-C, which stands for Managing Your Small Trucking Company. And I've got a few others that I haven't mentioned, but that's about as fast and as concise <laughs> as I've ever tried to say it. Excellent. I, it, there's there's a lot to absorb, and, and we'll be spending more time doing this. Hey, before we let you go, I've, I've already had some recommendations on, on how you should expand your podcast audience. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. I, I actually want your I actually want your input on that because you know as well as I do, my nickname at Nastic is No Tech. Yeah. So time the podcast. <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought a podcast was some kind of bean that I never heard of. Yeah, that's right. So so here's the recommendation I'm getting so far. They absolutely want you to expand the podcast, but only to our tribe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's interesting. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Let's build a moat. <laughs> that's right. They they want to they want to join in the uh, the festivities here, but they uh, they want to keep a competitive advantage. They don't want the rest of the industry here in this. Just us. We'll, we'll we'll work on that. I mean, there's you know there's a certain I'm you know as you well know. Uh, I don't, like I said, I don't want everybody to be a nasty member, and, and you don't want everybody to be a member of the tribe. That's exactly right. The, uh, the truth is, uh, we want a we want a private network, not a public network, because even even though we don't agree with them, the insurance companies charge small companies an arm and a leg for insurance because they just don't know who they're dealing with. Right. And in today's world. You need to know who you're dealing with. So I'll always be a little bit uh, paranoid about who joins Nasty and why, and just as you are about your tribe. Not that I, I don't want a bunch of yes people. You I don't, I, not at I, all. I, I Matter of fact, some of my best members uh, didn't like me much when we first met. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there were some I, things we didn't agree on. It, <laughs> 
you know, over the years, David, one of the most common comments I'll get, somebody will call in and they'll say, and they, they don't mince any words. They'll say right off the bat, first time I heard you 15 minutes in, I thought you were the biggest asshole I had ever heard. You, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Where do you come up with this crap? And, and I, over time they, they became tribe members. And, and I don't know that I could get a bigger compliment than that. Somebody who, who was just totally convinced I was wrong about everything, but for whatever reason, they kept listening. And over time, they, uh, they, they may have changed their mind a few ways. You know, neither one of us could be where we are today if we weren't good salesmen. And one of the things that you learn early in sales is if you're not getting some emotion from the person you're talking to or talking with, having a conversation with, not making a presentation to and not uh, having a conversation with, if you're not getting some emotion or some pushback or an objection or two, you're not going to sell anything to that person. That person is bringing up objections to test your ability to overcome them. You know, yeah, one of the main principles in sales. And I want to add to that. Because sometimes I think when people hear, you know, sales and we're going to sell you something, um, I, I know how you and I feel about this. Sales lead to us helping people. I mean, that's our focus. You and I both do what we do to help people. You can't help somebody until you can sell something. But it, it, there's a lot of people out there that sell for quotas. They sell for their commissions. Um, I, I've spent enough time with you now to know that that you and I do have to sell. We wouldn't be able to do what we do if we can't. But but our focus is every time we make sales, one more person we get to help. Exactly, and the uh, uh, the 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 way you sell people to me is you listen to them. You. If, if you're going to be a salesperson, if you're going to have people believe or if you can have pull people over to the way you believe, it's not a question of selling to them, preaching to them, talking down to them. It's, a que- it's an idea of listening to why there's a disagreement to begin with. So uh, listening, listening is Probably the most important part of selling, in my opinion. And uh, you know, any you're not going to sell anybody anything anything if they agree with everything you say. If you don't get some emotion or some kind of selling is an emotional thing. Yeah, you need to you need to get a little humor or a little anger or a little heat. You know, it's just like you and I occasionally will say, oh, that's bullshit, Kevin. Come on. You know you don't. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, you're right. Some of my strongest relationships, well, I, you know the example, Bob Kelso, the guy that was the genius behind the whole fuel program that's probably the most important person in NASDAQ history, as far as our growth and our, and our success, Bob Kelso, the first time I met him, I got back in the car and I told my daughter, Dana, who was with us at the time, she said, you think that will ever go anywhere? I said, bullshit, that's the biggest <laughs> asshole I've ever met in my life. And, and we became the most successful business partners over a 25, 28-year relationship and grew to be the 
Oh man, he was like a brother to me. I yeah. mean, we were such good friends, and and I began to understand. But when we, our basic introduction was, I was a redneck Southerner, didn't know doo doo about trucks, and he was a Yankee know it all that knew everything about trucks. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where we started. Yeah. But we kind of grew on each other, there and uh, fortunately, fortunately for everybody that had any. Any that had any success with our fuel program, uh, Bob Kelso is, is responsible for free, making that possible uh, through us. And uh, we became the sales force, but he was he was the genius behind how to do it, how to put it together, how to maintain it, how to reprice the fuel, and all this other stuff. And it was he passed away January this year, and I miss, I miss him every day. I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, David, I have got to wrap this up. You and I could go on and on. We always do. I mean, it was many nights late into the night and uh, back up and at it again the next day, and I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, we're going to do a lot more of this. There's a lot more coming. I am really looking forward to uh, the new entrant training on December 8th. Um, one more thing, because... Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty goal oriented most of the time. I, I want to see that class filled up with with our tribe members, and I want to get to spend a day. So I want to uh, want you to give them the phone number so they can figure out how they're going to be in that class. Okay, uh, it's uh, we we ask the phone with a real person. It's one eight hundred two six four eight five eight zero or nastic dot com. One eight hundred two six four eight five eight zero, and just ask for someone that can tell you, give you information about our new entrance survival training program, or identify yourself as the uh, as part of the tribe. And Kevin Rutherford told you to call, so I'll even go that far. I'd love to get that kind of that kind of response. I, I know that you've been that we've been sending each other at least support or. You know, uh, a silent attaboy when things are getting rough. But uh, I, I would love to have a whole room full of, of Kevin Rutherford people there, people that you know. And I'm I'm thrilled that you're going to be there. Yeah, I am too. And, and and one more thing on that. So you understand this because it, it's your whole business model. Um, there is strength in numbers, and I've tried to get that across to our tribe members more. Um, first off, they have to trust us that if they give us that strength, we're going to do the right thing with it. Uh, I, you certainly proved that. I think my tribe members know I've proved that. And, uh, now I'm just asking them to step up a little more. Uh, let's show that strength. Let's, let's, uh, I, I think the, I, I can't think of anything much more powerful than, than your members and our tribe and, and, uh, taking people who think alike in this industry and using that strength to just make everything better. I appreciate everything you've done for us so far, and I appreciate what you're doing now. I can't tell you how much we enjoyed uh, Everybody that was at our meeting in Nashville thoroughly enjoyed your presentation and your presence there on the different breakout sessions and panels that you attended. And uh, I, I can't – I'm still – a wallowing in the self-grandizement of the success of one more of our, our annual conferences. It was absolutely off the chart wonderful, and you were a big part of that. 
Well, fantastic. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. David, go enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, we're going to talk again soon. Take care, Kevin. Thanks again. All right. Take care. All right. We are going to wrap this up. My voice made it through, but uh, I I think I've just about had enough for today. I want to recover so I can come back strong tomorrow. We will see you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.